It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, the biggest news to come out of Sunday is not the game. We'll get to that since this is a post-game recap. We can get to that debacle after the big news, which is, according to Jason LaCanfora with CBS Sports, Peyton Manning in ownership mix as Broncos' sale could be completed by the spring. Manning is also showing interest in a management position. So here's the crux of the story from LaCanfora. Sources said former Broncos star quarterback Peyton Manning, who is very interested in a potential ownership piece in the franchise and a possible role in serving in a management position as well, has already had discussions with several of the groups expected to be favorites to land the team and his strong ties to Denver, where his family has lived since his playing days, and universal respect throughout the football world would be a boon to any potential ownership group aligned with him. As Lockenfora continues, several sources said that barring something totally unforeseen, a new owner of the Broncos would be fully on board by the October ownership meetings next year. Wow. I mean, so let, let me let me start by saying this. Don't give me hope. Okay? Don't give me hope. <laughs> I'm tired of I'm tired of hope and I'm tired of hype which is how I felt going into the the Bengals game, and we'll get to that, as you said, in just a moment. But what I will say is this. The speculation that Peyton Manning would somehow find his way into a management position slash ownership position 
with some franchise. And the fact that the Denver Broncos seem to be the next franchise on the list of teams to be sold, or, or they're at least up there in the top two or three of uh, NFL franchises that are on the selling block, if you will, is is not news, right? That's not something that we were blindsided by as far as that goes. However, it is interesting to note that this is a, a this is more than just interest at that point, right? This is more than just yeah, I'd be interested. This is him actively shopping himself. At least that's the way it seems to these potential ownership groups because who wouldn't want Peyton Manning to be the figurehead of their ownership group? That's how the NFL does it. I mean, you've got these owners who are their owners, but most of them have a group of people behind them. Uh, and I think Peyton Manning would be, if I was going to put together an ownership group, someone who I would like to have be the face of that because it gives us more credibility as a group. It makes the sale more appealing to the NFL who has to approve it and approve the new owners. And so you want a guy like PFM, like the sheriff riding into town, saving the day, which is what we all want, right? There's no doubt Broncos country wants that, especially right now feeling the way that we do. And so it makes perfect sense. I don't know the ins and outs of how it works. Like, can he just be a part of all of these groups and whoever wins, he goes and joins them? Probably not. So he's going to have to pick the right group as well. There's going to have to be, uh, the stars will have to align, but I certainly hope that they do. The feeling that I got when I saw this story on Sunday morning before the games kicked off was the same thing that I got when it was starting to get rumored that Peyton Manning was going to come to the Broncos in 2012. It's that same, we're going to get saved by Peyton Manning. It's that same thing. I have no doubt that if Peyton Manning is involved in an ownership group, he will get this franchise back on the right direction. And here's the big thing and why I think it's such a positive. He was here for Pat Bolin. He knows what Pat Bolin wanted and how he ran his franchise. He was here for it. Yes, Mr. B was on the, the decline based on who you listen to about his Alzheimer's diagnosis and their Julie Bolin and her dad, Bill Bolin did an interview with CBS in Denver a couple of weeks ago about this, but Peyton Manning knows what Pat Bolin wanted and he knows the Pat Bolin way. And that's what this franchise needs right now. On top of being the face on being a member of this franchise, when it what had its last run of success so it's nothing but positive. And I think Broncos country, there's a lot of questions about the ownership group. There's still some things to be resolved. A new owner won't be in, in place until March at the, the next league meetings, which is going to leave a lot, especially when this season is over, especially now after the 15 to 10 loss to the Bengals, which we're about to get into. But Peyton Manning is about to come back and save the day again. I hope so because I can't keep watching all these kicks. Like I, I, I hate watching all the kicks. The kicking is getting to me. It's a, it's a real kick in the pants, if you will. Uh, you know who is not feeling that way about all the kicks? You, say you can't it, just fine. plop it out there and expect it to perform. There it is. There it is. John, John Fox, old Foxy with his squinty eyes, just squinting at those punts. Just ooh, look at all those punts. 
and his red face. It's so crazy. Yet I, I added it up for us before we started going. In the first 15 possessions, there were 15 kicks. The game started with 15 kicks to end possessions. 10 of those were punts. Five of those were field goals. So I'm not talking about kickoffs. I don't care about that. I'm talking about punts and field goals. There were 15 punts and field goals to start this game. The first 15 possessions. That's insane to me. That is, it's, it's baffling to me. The first, the first possession that did not end in a punt or a missed field goal or field goal was the Denver Broncos touchdown that took place with what was it? Five Oh six left in the, in the third quarter or something like that. Yeah. So five Oh six left in the third quarter, they score the touchdown. I had to check my time on that. I wanted to make sure the touchdown pass from drew lock to Tim Patrick on a, on a nice play by Tim Patrick, who made a really nice adjustment on what I would say was a poorly thrown ball. Someone else might argue that it was thrown in the perfect spot for Tim Patrick to adjust to it. I'm not really here to have that conversation because it was just a poorly thrown ball that he adjusted to. And that's great. And they scored a touchdown. It was amazing. But it was the first possession in the entire game that didn't end with either a punt or a field goal attempt. That's, That's abysmal. That's not fun football to watch. I'm sorry. That is... I don't care how much you like defense. That sucks. Here's the thing that is going to reverberate throughout Broncos country. It's the same song, different verse, where the defense does a phenomenal job. They held Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense to 15 points. Joe Burrow was held to 157 yards passing. They held Jamar Chase to one catch. And they still lose the game because your offensive coordinator is inept. Your backup quarterback has the defining play of his career with just an absolute Benny Hill fumble. I I mean... I, the only thing that could make that play any better is if, as it was going on, CBS threw in Benny Hill music. I mean, if you don't know what Benny Hill is, by the way, I'm going to break in here on this because I said the same thing at one point. If you don't know what Benny Hill is, just Google it. Benny, B-N-N-Y, Hill, H-I-L-L. British comedy, it is slapstick. It is hilarious. It is the perfect description of that RPO little run pass option where all he really needed to do was give it to Javante Williams because that's all they should ever do. As far as I can tell. And instead you saw it. We all saw it. It was the defining play of his career. At least he didn't do a dance move afterward, but I mean, it's the same thing over and over again where the defense shows up, does its job. You had two linebackers out Kenny Young out I mean they're down to like their what seventh string middle line I got a I, I got a phone call last night and I told him I couldn't play I said listen fellas yeah. I appreciate it it's a it's a long flight I'm not I'm not really able to make it I gotta work the next day so so I had to turn them down as well yeah they're I mean it's it's they are completely decimated on defense at the linebacker position and they are still holding opposing offenses 
to to no, next to nothing, which you're absolutely right to point that out. I'm going to throw another stat at you, though, even though we're not really stat heads. Joe Mixon had 17 rushes for 58 yards. That's, that's not that, that's huge. Joe Mixon is one of the most underrated running backs in the National Football League. And he didn't really do anything as a receiver either. That again is a testament to Vic Fangio in this defense. But again, it's the same thing over and 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 over. One more. The offense can't no, no. score points. And over. Just wanted to get that extra. You were missing one. I got it. Don't worry. I figured it out. It, it, you're right. It, it, is, it is insane. And, and again, we, we kind of keep going back to the same conversation because there's really nothing else to talk about with this team. And so I'm just going to say it. Pat Shermer needs to lose his job. We've been saying it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, and everybody knows that Pat Shermer needs to lose his job. There's, there's no question about that. But what I don't understand at this point, and, and you actually said this to me before we started recording, you said it's not going to happen. Well, here's why it should happen, and it should happen right now. Because you have Melvin Gordon and Teddy Bridgewater, or I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, I was reading something, who are absolute beasts in carrying the football. And I know Melvin Gordon didn't have huge numbers today. I think he only had, was it, I'm looking at it, 53 yards on 15 carries. Not great. Javante Williams had 15 carries for 72 yards. Pretty good. Solid day, right? 30 carries, 120-something yards. I'm not going to do the math because I'm not very good at it. And what are what are we doing? I think it's 125 yards. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. I See, I can math. But the other complaint, and this is where it's, it gets frustrating because I don't, I don't know where to go with it. And I saw this tweeted out. I think it was Mike DeSico who tweeted it, who, uh, you know, friend of the show. He, he, he might listen to this. He might not. I don't know. And he actually tweeted out, Broncos country. The Broncos need to run the ball more. Also the Broncos country. They need to throw the ball to Tim Patrick and Noah Fant and uh, Jerry Judy and Albert O and Cortland Sutton. And, you know, it's, there is a sense in, in Broncos country right now that what we just want is an offense that functions properly. And we don't have that, and it comes down to not players so much. I know that the quarterback situation isn't great, and I, I don't want to go too far into that. It comes down to who is calling the plays. Who is the person who is making the decisions about what each play is going to be? Who decided that Drew Locke needed to run an RPO there? Who thought that was a good idea? Because I didn't, and you didn't. And I guarantee however many thousand people in the stadium that were there didn't, unless they were Bengals fans, they probably enjoyed that. Everybody seems to know what this team is, except for the one person who needs to know what this team is. And that's why when you watch a game like today, a game like this one against the Bengals, and you see them continue to do the same stupid stuff all the time, it does actually become a little bit infuriating, and then comical. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I laughed watching this game. I laughed so many times because of all of the just ridiculousness that took place throughout this game. Not just the Drew Locke play. There are others as well. But it's it's comical how bad they are. The other thing that I think is going to stand out to a lot of fans and media is how they handled the end of the first half. There was no sense of urgency. 
you could tell that they were playing for a field goal. It was the prevent offense where you're prevented from winning because it's clear everyone knows at that point, based on the lack of urgency, lack of just aggressiveness, that they're going for a field goal. That, again, comes from coaching. That comes from Vic Fangio, who has no idea how to manage a game. He has no idea how to do it. That, along with his weird decision to keep Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator and Tom McMahon as special teams coordinator, are going to be the three things that cost him being a head coach. And it's that lack of any ability to manage a game in key situations that is so glaring. Yeah, Because I, I, I just, I, I do not understand how you do not, how you're not aggressive in that situation where you're just like, all right, Teddy, open it up. Let's go. I do. And here's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my story first and then I'll tell you how I feel about that. Um, I, I actually walked out of the room after McManus missed that field goal, thinking that the half was essentially over. Nothing's going to happen. I was taking the garbage out and doing some other things. I walked back into the room and I see the Bengals kick a field goal. I look at my son and I go, what happened? And he goes, they like got the ball back. They made one pass and then kicked a field goal. Dad, you missed it. And I was like, and that was when the laughing, that was when the maniacal laughing started right there because you're right. The lack of urgency there from Vic Fangio was very telling, but I think it was very telling about what he thinks about his offense. He doesn't trust his offense to do what it needs to do to score. He doesn't believe that the offense that the Broncos have is capable of going down and doing what they needed to do, which was go score points. And so he took his foot off the gas. He told, I guarantee he told Pat Shermer to slow it down. Let's make this the last play of the half. Let's, which I'm fine with that. I'm fine with let's, let's not go too fast, but you can move methodically without being passive. There's a, there's a difference there. And they became very passive in that moment, which is why there was time left on the clock when McManus shanked his field goal try. And it was a bad shank too. As soon as he hit that, as soon as he hit it, he dropped his head and knew exactly what had happened. I believe he actually sort of threw his head back and then leaned way forward and bent over in shame. And he was, it was very terrible because the guy across the the field doesn't miss. That was missing. The only thing that was missing from that was Cheech Marin. And they're on the driving range, and Tin Cup is like, "Who hit that <laughs> little chili dipper there?" That's what that was. It was it was rough. So it so that's when my maniacal laughing began because it was just funny to me that that's exactly what I would have thought would happen. Like I didn't think it would have happened, but when it happened, I went, "Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me." And it's because Vic Fangio doesn't believe in Pat Shermer, I don't think, but he also doesn't know what to do himself in those situations. He is a defensive coordinator. He might be the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. I I mean, him and Dan Quinn, I suppose, could, you know, arm wrestle for that if they wanted to. I'm pretty sure Dan Quinn would win. He was running the stairs at Cowboy Stadium today or wherever they were playing. Were they playing? I think you you could throw on Steve Spagnuolo into that. You you could. I I think he's. Pro- I actually would probably put him just one tier below. Not a big step down, but that's a whole other conversation. But that that sequence of plays, really, you're playing for a playoff spot. Every game from here on out is a playoff. This is an elimination game, and you take your foot off the gas. 
Well, as I said, it was prevent offense. And prevent offense prevents you from winning. Hey, but at least there's hope on the horizon in the form of PFM. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.